and welcome to a new episode of The Gas Giants. Kick off your sandals and light the candles, because we're going to get a bit chill here, people. Now, I'd like to start this particular episode off with a question to our listeners. Because I have discovered that one of my colleagues at work has been using these podcasts as a way of getting to sleep. She actually listens to Tom and myself discuss erudite uh, works of art as a way of inducing unconsciousness. (laughs) And so I wondered, have we all this time been doing what I believe is called unintentional ASMR? Is, what so, does that stand for? Uh, do you know, I don't even know. It's something <laughs> the kids go on about. <laughs> uh, can we call it just hypnosis? Well, you know, I'm wondering about our, our public out there. Uh, you know, so listeners, if you have managed to do astral projection whilst listening to us, mm-hmm. yep. if you've, if you've, you've uh, listened to us discussing a, a book by an East German authoress and, and you've suddenly started to levitate or something, yeah. could you please write in and tell us? Yes. Or, 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 or um, you know, doing something, something else extraordinary, like, like riding a bicycle for a thousand miles. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I don't know. So, but this this question will actually link back into something later on, because we should introduce our artifact here. We are talking about the wonderful John Hassel album, The Living City, live at the Winter Garden, 17th of September, 1989. Tom, you first introduced me to this, didn't you? Yeah, um, I did. the The interesting thing here is that we're, we're not, in a sense, we're not really talking about the album. We're talking about a uh, a video of a particular performance that was broadcast on TV in New York, and 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 you got to watch the uh, the YouTube of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit uh, a little bit clunky looking sort of home video in terms of the colors, mm-hmm. uh, but it's wonderful to be able to watch the band doing this. Yeah, and this suddenly allowed, if I understand right, you to enter the the sort of state of mind of a John Hassel piece of music, which is somewhat ecstatic, somewhat removed from everyday life state of mind um, certainly and and experience that for that duration and then come back again now that was great and then you went off and said now nah, the rest of it's rubbish <laughs> no no i um i just needed a bit more time to get into the yeah. rest of it but um it wasn't that the rest of it was rubbish but the uh, that particular concert um impressed me to such a huge level, yeah. Uh, it took me a while to then uh, find stuff in in the rest of his oeuvre that impressed me in the same way. Yeah, which which is interesting. That's actually but, not surprising. That kind of thing does happen quite a lot, where yeah. you know the the you know the impression that you get of of a particular artist or whatever particular writer. Mm. Just you just never quite make match it, you know. It can happen. Okay, but we should uh, we should talk about exactly what happened here because um, on the I think the sixteenth 
to the 18th or something of uh, of September 1989, John Hassel had just completed an album which was called uh, City Works of Fiction. And uh, he was invited to take part in a concert or a sound installation in the Winter Gardens, which are si- were then situated in the middle of the World Trade Center. Yeah. And so he took a, a live band onto the into this uh, sound installation, which was uh, being done by Brian Eno, and involved a lot of uh, uh, music of, of pygmies. And um, um, and and sound, you know, recordings of, uh, of wildlife. Yeah. And uh, and he he brought his band on stage and did a stripped down kind of live version of some of the music that they'd put on the uh, on this album City Works of Fiction. Yeah. So the uh, the resulting, uh, like I said, there was one evening which was recorded in its entirety for television, which can be found uh, as a YouTube rip, and then bits of the second night the 17th of september then got put onto a a record as part of the sort of you know vinyl revolution there's a very nice four uh four sides uh double album has been made up of that yeah which uh which has quite actually quite different music to uh to the night that's uh, of the tv recording doesn't you sure i um I haven't compared them side by side, but the, my understanding was that the... So I've got both the original LP. Um, I'm not mm. sure if I've got the... Which, which pressing of it I've got, um, to be honest, if it's Opal or... Then it was supplementary release on something. Yeah, on uh, Saint something. All Saints. All Saints, yes. Um, and I think I've got the All Saints one. Um, but mm-hmm. then... Uh, some years ago, actually, when when John Hassel was already quite old, this new version was put together with new cover art, which I have to admit mm-hmm. I don't like as much as the original. They took the original, let's call it the CD, right, the mm-hmm. studio recording, and they split that across two LPs because yeah. you know you, you can't you can't fit more than about sixteen minutes on an LP without mm-hmm. uh, without cutting out the bass. Yeah. And then with that you got a download code for two digi- two for two extras, one of which I thought was the same recording as 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 the this of the you know, just the audio of the performance, but I haven't actually made it inside, but I thought it was the same night. Uh-huh. Um and then there's some other uh live recordings in there as well. Ah, now you see I, I haven't investigated the download codes at all. Uh-huh. So I maybe should have. That's stupid. Oh well. No matter. Uh, the the album itself was um, was a bit of a was 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 remarked upon in the news me in, in the music uh, press when we still had a music press back then. Um, yeah. And there's a collection of remixes uh, you know, of hip hop remixes of Voice Print and and G Spot. Uh, mm. No, not G Spot. Voice Print and now I've forgotten the other the name of the other one. Um, uh, so you know the fact that uh, the fact that eight oh eight state was uh, 
uh, was involved in those mm. remixes, that helped to get him, you know, into the, some publicity, uh, which I think was, was a big benefit at the point at that time. But it, the studio album itself is tremendous as well. Mm. Yeah, but very different, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, the studio album is, uh, is halfway to pop music, whereas the live performance is, yeah. uh, is much more like... Yeah, yeah, and of course this is, we should mention as well, that um, technically this is the fourth album in a series. Well, yes, uh, actually I didn't yeah. really know that it was, that it was set up like that, I think that might have been a revisionist history, uh, but... An afterthought, yeah, yeah. because uh, certainly in, um, in 1980, uh, John Hassel, who by then had met Eno and uh, also met one or two other people and been persuaded to sign up to EG Records. Mm -hmm. So um, he, in 1980, he made the fourth, uh, the, all of these can be categorized as the fourth world music series. Mm. And the first one is called Possible Music. So that was in 1980. Volume two which I have here actually somewhere is uh, is called Dream Theory in Malaysia. Yep. Uh, volume three is uh, called Akadabari Java and uh, magical, magical realism. realism. It's got the subtitle Magical Realism. Yeah, and then uh, that was nineteen eighty three. Then actually nineteen ninety because of course uh, this album had just been recorded then they did the live shows and the the uh, the studio mm. album came out in nineteen ninety yeah. was uh was city works of fiction now on a different record label because of course e g has has collapsed uh, in the meantime yeah. and disappeared <laughs> and then opal uh they were signed up to opal initially but then opal decided just to go into management so that's why your repress is on all saints yeah which was the kind of uh, successor to that i was wondering if you knew why there would have been such a huge gap between volume three and volume four uh, no, I don't know personally. I I assume it's got to do with uh, personal matters like funding and uh, you know having having support. I mean, mm. the one of the things that's sort of interests me about John Hassel's music is how it sort of falls between two things and so many of uh, so many different two things. And one of them yeah. is the way it falls between art music and commercial music. Uh, yes. So it's, I think that that's a delicate place to be. Uh, I think it's also yeah. a, 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 a desirable place to be for, it certainly would be for me uh, because mm -hmm. either, either position is, has, has, has some pretty nasty compromises to go with it. Right. So if you're certainly, so even look at even look at Miles Davis' career. Uh, I mean, he was definitely looking to be in the com in the commercial side of things as far as reason. He wanted to sell records. He wanted to sell plenty of records, yeah. and you know that that means you have to you have to concern yourself with the commercial needs, both of the uh, of the companies you're dealing with for production and distribution, advertising and so forth, but also for the market. 
Hmm. Uh, if well, you're on the yeah. if you're on the art music side, then you know you're looking at well, who's who's going to support you? Is it, are you going to fund it all yourself and just try and find venues that are willing to take you on? That's the the low budget end. Or are you looking for grants? Hmm. Uh, one way or another, you basically got to look at what's going, what of these institutions that exist out there, mm -hmm. what do you have to do to become their mascot? Yeah. As a composer. And, yeah. and, and uh, neither of those are particularly attractive, are they? So no. if you're stuck somewhere in the middle, which I think John Hassel kind of was throughout his musical career. Um, yeah. I can see it being a little difficult trying to find a vehicle because the albums do cost something to produce and you've got to find the money. Yeah. And, uh, I, you, you just mes mentioned miles there. I mean, yeah. uh, probably the album that's closest to this, although, you know, I, I don't know about you. I was, I, in listening to lots of John Hassel, I've been reminded of, uh, Miles's album decoy. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, but more than that. And, uh, there's, there's also, a, oh, I can't remember which, which album it was. I was listening to one of the albums out of the playlist you gave me, which sounded for a second, exactly like star people. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> really, it, it's so much. So that it almost sounded like a quote from star. Yeah, people. it could be. But it could even be, yeah. yeah. But uh, but the but the album that's probably closest to a lot of this stuff would be something like Aura, which was the album that uh, that separated Miles from CBS because uh, Miles uh, discovered this this music when he went to to receive his his zoning prize. Yeah. That somebody in uh, in in Sweden had written this this music for him. He then uh, talked to the uh, Paolo Mikkelborg and uh, the composer and got him talked to him about the possibility of expanding it into into an entire suite, which he could play on. This was then done. He came back to Sweden. He recorded it, and then he spent uh, a couple of years trying to get CBS to to release it. CBS wanted nothing to do with it. If you actually look at the album that they finally. Um, released they used artwork which was obviously left over from decoy yes <laughs> yes and so it's like really put it out with the least amount of trouble it's a it's a double uh, when you get it as a vinyl it's a it's um, yeah, it's a double LP, it's a yeah. du double album yeah. but it's not a gatefold no it's not even <laughs> they've and they've got, got this the and they've got this this goofy this goofy way of coloring the the typefaces on the yeah on the things. Oh, oh, God. they wanted nothing to do with it of course it won a grammy uh, but it, and it's immediately a, and it's an excellent <laughs> it's album a, Great album. Yeah, it's really top. And notch. so that was the point when Miles said, "You know what? Fuck these guys. I, I don't need this. They don't. If they don't get this, they don't get me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to Warner Brothers." Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's an excellent way of sort of reinforcing one the commercial point I was making. Hmm. But also, yes, I think you know now that I'm thinking about it, I, just talking through that, you know, I think the 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 similarity is reasonable in in terms yeah. of because I was thinking, well. On the surface level, it does have a sim. It's the, it's maybe the album, the Miles album that's got the closest sound to what we're listening to here. This uh, this Winter Garden album, the recording anyway. Mm. Um, but the, but I, yes, structurally, I think it might do too. Um, no. Where we've got a um, see, Miles hadn't been composing for 
bands himself that much for a while, had he? That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. You know, right. he'd been he'd been a band leader, been providing riffs and what have you, but he he's certainly yeah. been the the sort of like the master of getting the music all together. Um, mm. So whereas, but yeah, I, I don't see why not. You've got two different people come together: the composer and the mm. and the and the soloist. Why not? And you know, we've we've gone on about Miles Davis's aura so much. I think everybody who listens to this podcast needs to go and go now and listen to it. <laughs> yeah, sure. But anyway, we need to talk a bit yeah. about John Hassel. So but why we not, need to get back to John Hassel. So why yeah. don't we just mention the 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 connection with. Um, with Miles Davis and John Hassel. Um, there's a beautiful essay, it's very short, on John Hassel's own website, where he talks uh -huh. about his relationship to Bitches Brew. Ah. And how, uh, and it's, it's, it's a lovely little thing to read, uh, because it, actually, you know, reading... A number of his articles from the website, uh, some of which are essentially uh, little little bits of diary and uh, which mm. have been commented on more, you know, for the website. Um, it 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 was sort of poignant for me because I've been listening to John Hassel's music since the eighties uh, yeah. and collected. I th I think I've got, I think I've got pretty much them them all. Um, wow! And the. Well, of of the of you know of the main stuff under his name, yeah. uh, and a number of recordings, of course, that have that he appears mm. on. Uh, yeah, and you know, I I really adore John Hassel's music in a in in a way unlike anybody else's. And coming back to read these articles, I realized that his way of thinking about. Um, music, thinking about art and life and what he wants to do, is some of this, some of these writings actually describe things I've been trying to articulate in this podcast really mm. very concisely and beautifully. So yeah. in this article about, um, about Bitches Brew, mm -hmm. uh, or let's call it an essay, um, this was written uh, around the time, or he's talking about the time when uh, he was either finishing up his studies or, or had finished his studies and was embarking on a composerly career, as he called it. And uh -huh. here was this, um, here, you know, the, all the American composers were going in this direction that ended up getting called minimalism. Um, yeah. And he thought, oh, this, is, this, is, this is kind of like doing Bach all over again. We're just putting notes and pitches mm. together and, arranging it on on a story you know, it's just it's music for the ear and for the mind whereas bitches brew is music for the body as well um it's yeah. a it's music from a jungle where in a jungle there's no language that can tell a lie because nature itself cannot express a falsehood uh it doesn't divide and you look at the cover art as well it doesn't divide between culture and nature it doesn't divide between primitive art and sophisticated art uh it doesn't none of these differences arise and um one of the one of the ways that i think john hassel john hassel's music has been 
his career has just been astonishing is that he managed to throughout all of these albums from 1977 on till uh, the last two mm-hmm. uh, was successfully finding a middle ground one that uh, the one I mean you can't so he mentions somewhere else I'm not sure if it was in the same place but a, if a coyote cries mm-hmm. out in the woods or in a desert or wherever a coyote, you might find one the sound of that will impress us it will touch our emotion it may make us fearful it may make us excited whatever it may be but Mm. it's an authentic expression yeah right it's a real thing and it 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 can grab somewhere in you and and move you Mm. now you've got to be careful trying to do something like that in intentional art uh Mm. you do it too much it'll end up sounding silly Mm mm-hmm or it could end up sounding um, sort of inappropriate and inauthentic. Mm. Uh, cultural appropriation, the youngsters like to talk about these days, right? Exactly, yes. Um, but there is a, but there, you know, there is a point there. It's not just them coming up with fancy words to oh, no, no, annoy no, the older no, generation is, with. There is, no, there is it, a point it is there. Actually, a thing. Yeah. So, th- how how do you how do you find that middle ground now? He's not, and and he's talking about, um, and if, so he's got his training in in music. So this is going to involve, you know, all the technical aspects of um, you know com- composition mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, it, I'm sure it's very sophisticated education. Plus, he's got mm-hmm. his virtuoso training on the trumpet. So a very um, how do you how are yeah. we going to fit it all together and i think that and he and he says that that sort of my, miles davis bitches brew was his savior you know was his mm. uh w- was was what allowed him what gave him permission to find this road that he did that that, yeah. that really sort of laid 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 out in his own very very personal statement the first album vernal equinox um it's um, I mean, for me, because I'm reading this stuff and thinking back over my life, listening to the music of John Hassel, yeah. how much I love it. Um, this was this was also a moving moment because I, oh, wow, because we felt I felt that way about listening to to Miles back then too. I mean, he was part of my yeah. sort of awakening. Um, there were a, a couple of other important things there as well. Actually, King Crimson was one of them. Is like yes, you listen to that band improvise. When they yeah. when they let rip in long, uh, you know, in the long form, that yeah. band could play together in a way that and and there were there weren't any other rock groups that improvised. That was like they were could they could play like Gong, you know, where yeah. where the they'd all be off script. Yeah, you yes, know, absolutely. Uh, is, whereas yeah, uh, whereas uh, usually uh, in rock music, the the rhythm section sticks with it, and the soloist does the solo, right? Yeah, a wonderful example being the beginning of the second side of Red. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You yeah. Know, for, uh, what, what's, it, what's it called? It's somewhere in New England. Or another, another example um, is the song Groon, uh, oh. which is, it's basically set up for, um, for improvisation the whole, and, and, and weird. It's, it's set mm. up for losing the, uh, uh, losing the rhythms. Providence. Uh-huh. That's what it's called. Okay. Yeah, the, the track that opens the second side of Red. So, yeah, but, you know, that, I mean, that's absolutely amazing. It's, yeah. it's completely improvised. Yeah. But 
with a with a, a feeling for what everybody else is doing. Yeah. So this 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 um and oh I, I, so anyway I I I've talked too yeah. much. But um, <clears throat> I'd like to get back to this uh, to this. I mean, it's very strange that uh, you know we're we're looking at this uh, this film of this concert which is in a place which then of course. Uh, ten years after that got, uh, or little more than ten years after that got destroyed completely. Yeah. So that gives it a certain aura to it somehow. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's every time, every time you see a photo or I see a photo uh, that comes up, you know, with with that background or with uh, mm. with with those towers as a subject, it hits me. Um, mm. There's another. Um, there's a, a live recording of a of a Frippertronics concert that ah, that yeah. uh, that 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 was recorded in the same place in the in the mm-hmm. um, Trade Center Winter Garden. Um, I'm not sure I've got it somewhere because I think I bought it mm. off of DMG. Um, mm. And just a few weeks ago, a couple of months, I guess, out of the blue, a mm. friend that we had back in uh, the late '90s. Actually, mid nineties, mid nineties, um, uh, sent Ava a couple of photographs of us as a group of three in New York, and in uh, two photographs, um, and in one of them, this is this. Uh, so Ava's got the you know the long hair she had when we were, mm. uh, well, not long after we married actually, um, and uh, and there's our friend uh, Timmy and. Oh man, it's twin towers. Yeah, scary. It's uh, well, so they they seem to have put on some pretty adventurous concerts in this space. Well, those two, for sure. This oh. um, um, bear in mind, this is at a time when Brian Eno was, you know, to anybody who was into pop music uh, that was a little bit arty was was considered a mm. deity. Yeah, know, and and and. So you know, I, the guy could walk on water. Yeah, the time. Yeah, and I also, uh, you were talking about Hassel's um, flirtation with with more commercial music as well. I mm. mean, you know, which uh, which is a door that certainly people like Eno had opened for him. Um, he was nearly involved in my life in the Bush of Ghosts. Yes, and there's a story there that he was not happy about how that turned out yeah i mean uh, it seems incredible that he the reason why he wasn't on it was because he couldn't afford a, a plane fare from california i mean uh, somebody could have sprung for that surely yeah and i, I mean it, he and he and Eno and david Byrne were were working together in new york um on concerts um, uh-huh. And on each other's recordings and projects, and they were hanging out yeah. together and discussing their ideas, and sort of together moving this idea or the mm. ideas surrounding their conceptions of, of of what John Hassel ended up calling fourth world forwards. Yes, together. yeah, um, yeah. And there was a lot of this going on at this particular time. He was basically tapping into an idea that had been had by several people at once in several forms. Mm. Yeah. In a way, I mean, there's there's no way that uh, an album like 1985's "Slave to the Rhythm," for instance, could have happened without 
some of these ideas floating around. Mm, I know that's a commercial album. It was going to happen anyway. I don't know how necessary these guys were as the catalyst for it. Mm. But there's no way they had to go ahead and do the My Life in the Bush Ghost. Because, I mean, really, Hassel had been working in, uh, towards this kind mm. of thing. He had informed, he, he, as far as I know, he's the one that, had the, that drove the idea of, um, mm. uh, of, of discovering a not, an unreal culture by combining things. So uh, it's ah. it's it's like um, you can think about this maybe in a, with a literary anal- uh, analogy. Um, yes, yes, yes. Please do. I'm not sure. I, I haven't prepared myself for this, but so uh, Invisible Cities, um, the Calvino book. Yes. Yeah. Right? No. How weird. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The exactly. invention of uh, the the invention or or uh, you know the invention of of a myth from mm-hmm. th- from components that are recognizable that sound like yeah. something real um or or the modification of something that's recognizable by the introduction of myth um yeah so if you if you were to combine um some composite through some composition of your own um mm-hmm. structural forms structural mm. framework of a music from here with sounds that came from a completely different culture. Mm-hmm. And the result sounded, might sound mm-hmm. like, um, like something that, that, that's imagined, that, that's a culture that mm-hmm. could be real, yes. but is imagined, right? Yeah. So as far as I understood it, these ideas were, uh, uh, were ones that, yeah. that John Hassel had been working with for quite a while. Um, and you can go and listen to Vernal yeah. Equinox itself, um, mm-hmm. and, and see what you know. See whether or not you think they're apparent there. And that uh, Eno went off and just like, well, right, we're going to do this and release it, whether you're here or not. That he was. Mm. I mean, yeah. This this goes to the point that that Hassel has expressed uh, doubts about whether or not it was a good idea to have Eno's name on the uh the first fourth world album possible musics um well yeah. i mean he, he he said he did that because you know star power uh would boost sales and and draw attention and it certainly did um and he mm-hmm. he thinks that that you know was entirely credit worthy as well i mean every, his his contribution was was important uh but he's had to play second fiddle to eno ever since yeah right? yeah you know as the as the auteur of of this kind of stuff yeah uh i mean you know it's uh it's it, it is it is really if you want to uh want to know how clearly it is uh a different music it almost feels like an insult to be dividing this album into tracks yeah because you you don't you don't want to see it as separate tracks. You want to see it as one whole thing, which yes. just sort of you know flows over you. Well, that's that's the uh, I mean that's the way the live performance works, and I think that it completely makes sense. Now, the album itself is 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 sounds like a studio album. 
and it sounds like and yeah. the, and the distinction between each track and as a composition is mm-hmm. is used to the useful effect you know that one's finished now we come in with something completely different right but for there's yeah. no way you can perform that live you have to do something different because if you yeah. try to do that live it's not going to sound as good as the record it's just yeah. not remotely. Yeah, no, it's not going to work. No. You're going to have to do something so, different. And it's it's interesting that um, this fits so well into the this music fits so well into the idea of a city at night. Mm-hmm. It is really extraordinary how this this you know you got this this bass driving it through everything and stopping it from being too somnolent and too sort of too trippy. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's it, on the um yeah, on the live performance, the the Winter Garden live performance, uh the bass is is um is foundational. I mean, we don't really hear it's got percussion there and it's got sampling that's used mm-hmm. in a percussive way. Yeah. But it's really But it's not obvious as percussion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's really kind of lightweight. Uh-huh. And uh, and occasionally we get some guitar doing some rhythm, but mostly not. It's yeah. the uh, the the motor structure here is is all on the bass guitar, isn't it? It's, it's the bass, yeah. Can I just read you uh, something that I've um, from T. S. Eliot's Four Quartets, the Dry Salvages. This is a, just just a couple of lines from this, which has always described for me the, a kind of music that um, that we're kind of searching for, and. I think, actually, it's this. So, for most of us, there is only the unattended moment, the moment in and out of time, the distraction fit, lost in a shaft of sunlight, the wild time unseen, or the winter lightning, or the waterfall, or music heard so deeply that it is not heard at all, but you are the music while the music lasts. These are the only hints and gestures, hints followed by guesses, and the rest is prayer, observance, discipline, thought, and action. The hint half-guessed, the gift half-understood, is incarnation. That's it, isn't it? Yeah, I'll go along with that 100%. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, now, it just... Directly uh, connected with that, I I take care uh, when mm. I listen to John Hassel. It's not some not something I put on lightly. It's not something I. Many of these recordings I've only listened to a few, you know, two or three mm. times or something, because they are. It, it's an act of worship. It's a. I don't yeah. know what do you, what do you want to call that, but it's it's a the magic. Is it, it needs to be. It needs my participation, um, and I need yeah. to do it right. And if you play this as background music at every single, um, yeah. you know, uh, little get together that you have with your friends, or every time that you're d- doing the dishes, um, mm. it's not. It's going to the the magic will evaporate over time. So now this this brings me back then to to actually the question that I set to our listeners at the start of this program, because. The other the other day, you sent me a link to an album, mm-hmm. which is called. I've got it up here now. 
the surgeon of the night sky restores dead things by the power of sound. Yep. And uh, so you sent me a link to John Hassel's website. Yes. Now, I I came home uh, on Sunday night from a very, very heavy concert, uh, really kind of uh, finished. And Petra wasn't feeling too well, so she'd already gone to bed. And so I got myself a beer and sat out in the back garden, uh, smoked a couple of small cigars, chatted to somebody on the phone. And I'm sitting there in my in my sweat-filled concert clothes in the night air, uh, drinking a beer. The cat comes and sits on my lap. And then finally I, I look at... Um, uh, uh, this this link that you sent me. Now, I couldn't actually get the link to John Hassel's website to work. Mm. So I searched for it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I managed to find him without moving the cat, you understand. Yep. Which you just it's can't important. do. Um, I managed to find in my pocket that I had a pair of Bluetooth headphones. So, okay, that'll do. Just plug them in. Now, the interesting thing about this is this album is when you search for it on YouTube... It comes up, and the first thing it says is 432 hertz in brackets. Mm-hmm. So, because people search for that, this is used as an aid to meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I put this album on and uh, just sat there drinking my beer and listening to it. And then suddenly I noticed that I was looking fixatedly at the pattern on the on the couch for a long time I'm looking at the different colors and how they all fit together and then I looked at the pattern on the on the tiles on the floor for a long time I have never done drugs ever but this music put me into an altered state mm-hmm. There's no question about it. I was at this moment in an altered state. And, you know, I wanted to, to get up and get some, some, you know, some peanuts and another beer and go to the toilet and whatever, but I couldn't because I was in this state of bliss. Yeah. By this... I, I Now, I have experimented a lot with... Uh, using recordings of different frequencies, I'm very interested in this in this whole area. I suffer badly from migraines, and I've had a certain amount of relief from listening to certain tones. Yeah, and uh, you know, because you're always always trying not to take too much uh, too much aspirin or too much medication for yeah. stuff like this. And uh, it also ties back to a remark which either Sun Ra or John Coltrane made first that after after several you know million years of, of banging on things and, and making sounds and making music, we still don't know what it's for. Right. You know, and that um it might actually have some healing properties or some or some Well, you've heard me talk about music uh, is obviously another language. Yeah, but it takes an awful lot of contrivance, unless you set, you know, unless it's song that's setting words. Mm. It takes an awful lot of contrivance to express a negative in music. Hmm. Right. So it's a it's a form 
uh, it's a language that operates in, the, in, as Freud would put it, in primary process. It expresses itself see, yeah. in the same way that, you know, trees or clouds express themselves as being beautiful. Or, yeah. uh, or that a mountain with a thunderstorm looks frightening. Right? Yeah. It can't express a negative. It is, it is what it is. Um, it, it, so uh, there's that part of it. With respect to your experience, I'm, I'm very pleased to hear the story. Um, yeah. um, part of that is that you are tired. Uh, that kind of situation, uh, you know, that kind yeah. of, um, and especially you'd been mentally tired because the kind of yeah. work that you'd been doing that evening, plus all that noise, you know, there's, that's a kind of, yeah. uh, that's a kind of stress that, that you need to kind of come down from. It's hard to just go to yeah. sleep after that kind of thing. Oh no, I can't. And, <laughs> but, but that's, this is, this is what so much of John Hassel's music is, is just amazingly good at doing. It finds yeah. this place that for me is neither, neither romantic nor, uh, nor sort of uh, positively progressive. It's just somehow other. Hmm. You know, it's not a, it's somehow, like, like I said earlier, John Hassel's music fits somehow beautifully in the middle between so many polar opposites that, that, that we end up, we can't describe the polar opposites again without using language, right? Um, yeah, and it, this this way of dividing the world into friends and enemies, beautiful and and ugly, etc. Yeah. That's something. Those are tricks that we use using symbols. That's true. Yeah, right. Um, these are these are stories we tell to persuade each ourselves and each other that of you know whatever we whatever it is we're trying to accomplish. But um, think about uh, just the music on Bitches Brew. Right. I don't know how often you've listened to that, but for me, it's the same kind of thing. You don't, I don't, I don't, I don't play that one very often. Again, it's the same sort of sacramental attitude um, <laughs> that I have there uh, because I know that it's possible to do these things to death. I've, I've listened to um, in a silent way too often and it takes a, it takes a, a, a bit more effort there for me to, um, to just experience rather than just uh, rather than to being analytic or whatever. So just think about it right from, from, from vernal equinox all the way through successfully finding a place, but also keep moving forward so that the influences of mm. culture as cultures change, because cultures have to change or they're not cultures. Mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and, and successfully piecing it together like that throughout the career, I, I, I just am sort of dumbfounded. From 77 was yeah. the first album, and the last ones were like um, two years ago, I think. Yeah, so that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, music spread over five decades, basically. Yeah, yeah it's a good span. Um, yeah. I also, honestly, I think that I have, I have felt, uh, I guess I came to this conclusion when, his uh, second album on ECM came out called Last Night the Moon Came Dropping Its Clothes in the Street. Um, yeah. On that album, he's um, 
his homage to Gail Evans and and to Miles Davis is more obvious. Uh, it was mm-hmm. at that point more obvious than than at any time prior. And I thought, you know, he's he's the he's the um, for me the the true successor of that um, creative spirit. Uh, Miles was in the electric period, which is what mattered, which is what has always mattered to me the most, the electric period. And then, some, mm. you know, the, the revival, the eight, was it 85 revival? When was it started uh, up again? No, it must have been earlier than that. Sorry. 82 or something, 81, yeah. 82. Um, that's, that's the part of Miles career that's always been the most important to me. Um, yeah. If you think about it now, I'm like uh, on the corner. Mm. Again, it's it's got the same kind of trick going on. We've got a potentially quite sophisticated, not necessarily, not very sophisticated, but a structural framework which is interesting enough to sustain a a, a band of creative improvisers who take turns supporting that creative, sorry, that um, that structural framework. Or mm-hmm. variously decorating it, providing a surface uh, a surface shine to it, you know, um, and sustaining those simultaneously through the performance or the recording, or for us the experience listening to it, so you can switch between these different modes of listening. Uh, whether mm-hmm. you're listening to the the way it's built together and the way the rhythm section is uh, is supporting it all, or uh, we're listening to the sounds, the specific mm-hmm. sounds that they're using to make it. I think about Pete Cozy's twelve-string guitar, um, yeah, or um, or all those damn wah-wah pedals that were a bit too much mm-hmm. sometimes, uh, or whatever it may be. That you know the surface sounds, and then we've got the soloists doing their heroics, uh, you yeah. know the virtuoso stuff. That's what John Hassel does too, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same. The same formula of you've got to keep it interesting uh, at all these levels, including, mm. and I would argue that John Hassel is a virtuoso trumpet player too. Uh, oh yeah, certainly. And uh, it's the you know so for picking up that um, that approach to music making uh, that 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 I think Miles did so superbly well with uh with and 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 weather report picked up and did uh did very very well at as well um and and carrying that forwards i think that's uh a fair sort of Hmm. yeah i'll 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 give john hassel the credit there and it's not the credit the um the sort of uh what's the word for that the I need a word here. I would I would honor him with saying, you know, he's the one that picked up where 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 uh, Miles Davis. Ah, yeah, off. yeah, yes, I see. Yes, yeah, he's the the throne fall. Uh, the what the Germans would call the throne folger. <laughs> <laughs> the air. That's the word for it. The air. That's yes. it. Yes. Oh, God, we aren't very good at this, are we? No. Thank you. 
Yeah, so uh, this album is um, is a huge achievement in the in the extent that uh, for a start, it was never supposed to be an album. Right. It's, um, but the fact that uh, that you could have made a studio album like that and then gone out and done all of the stuff that you just recorded in the studio in a very stripped down way well actually uh, and it's turn them into been, something different yeah it's been reorganized it's a uh, it's yeah. it's it's definitely done differently yes the, you can hear the material from the album there uh, at times yeah, but it's spectacularly yeah. reorganized oh, yes into no, making I mean, it li- uh, playable live and it, it it turns into something completely different yeah i mean he put together a live band and rehearsed them must have done to do this now did you look at the comments on youtube no, I didn't. You should, because I oh, think yeah. most of the musicians that are on stage take part in the conversations on YouTube. Oh, that's right. Yes, they, they do. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I had noticed that. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. It's, it's almost, so, uh, you know, it's quite poignant as well. We should, we should actually talk about the other musicians on this record, because all we're talking about is John Hassel. Uh, can you tell me anything about them? <laughs> Not at all, no. This is one of the curious things about uh, about John Hassel's so weird, albums it? is that he picks up. Um, so, um, what was it? Earthquake Island was different because he 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 hired a whole bunch of um, you know uh, Top Gun um, hmm. uh, musicians for that and uh, reported <laughs> reported in his diary afterwards that it was ma- he was maybe a little it was maybe not the smartest move for him. Mm. Apart from that, generally speaking, no, it's, it's musicians I've never heard of. You know, apart from sort of like the occasional guest appearance, there's quite a few guest appearances on the Blue Screen album called Dressing ah. for Pleasure, uh, which has got, for example, Buckethead on it and, right. uh, and, a, and a few others you might have heard of. But yeah. in, in general, it seems to me he doesn't work with, uh, you know, superstar names. No, well, uh, I mean... The the whole point about this music is it, it sort of floats like a kind of tapestry and not very much stands out apart from maybe the bass. Yeah. Uh, uh, you would have to... I don't know where you'd find musicians like that. Well, <laughs> I guess if you're John Asshole, they might, they might <laughs> contact you. Uh, maybe that's how it works. But I mean, he had he had a lot of connections with. If you go read his diaries, he had a lot of connections with some very cool people. So, uh, so his diaries have been published. Have they? No, um, not as far as I know. He's selected some of his writings that have uh, included some stuff from his journals um, or whatever he called it, agendas, ah, on his okay. website. And I think that those got collected together into this book that got called Atmospherics, which I. I, I I've started to believe doesn't actually exist because you know trying to get your hands oh, on a okay. on a copy of it it's uh, it's impossible. Um, the wow. when so in the it looks like the new website was sort of put together around the time that these um, these last two albums and the um, uh, and the reissue of City were being prepared. Uh-huh. Um, so what were they called? Listening to pictures and psychogeography uh, were the, were two two new studio albums, um, and then the reissue. And there might have been some other stuff, and I think he was getting these published on or uh, sorry distributed digitally on Bleep, which is a British mm. uh, digital platform. They also do deliveries. I bought 
the the two albums, I think, from, directly from Bleep, because I wanted to. This was at a time when I knew that John Hassel was uh, was mm-hmm. uh, had some money problems, and was old and had health issues and was presumably issues, approaching yeah. death. But um, so I, you know, so I I, uh, I donated to the GoFundMe for uh, and and bought some stuff. The website says to get the book from Bleep. Bleep denies all knowledge of it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh, come on. You could at least say it's out of print or sold yeah, out or something. Sold. Come on. Um, it's just not fair. And I couldn't find it in any library. I couldn't find it on eBay. Couldn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it, I'm, yeah. Anyway. I, I, so listeners, do you know, does it exist? Do you have a copy? And you're going to sell me you one. Lent it to Tom. <laughs> <laughs> is it the, is it just, is it the same text that I've already read off the website? <laughs> Probably is. True. Yeah. Yeah. According yeah. to what it looked like on, on from a, a little notice on Pitchfork, it looked like that was likely uh-huh. the case. Well, I should I should definitely read that. I'm always I'm always interested in in things that musicians write. Yeah, it, it's it's very cool um, the way he's sort of put those together. But uh, like I say again, the this you know how I've struggled to try and put together what it is that annoys me about composed music, what it is that annoys me about mm-hmm. jazz music, and there's mm. but you know that I'm attracted to them at the same time. Yes, there's there's um, there's there's stuff going on there that I find I I really need to steer clear of. On the other mm-hmm. hand, there's uh, there's tremendous attraction in uh, the possibilities of improvisation, and there's mm. tre- tre- tremendous exact attraction in the possibilities of premeditated organization. Mm-hmm. I carefully put together organization so how do, how do we how do we sort this out um and he talks about this but he talks about it in such with with such brevity but getting to the point in a way that i've never managed to yeah yeah no well so it's worth know, taking a look at it it's all there this is the uh uh what did the what did the guy say it's the music heard so deeply that it is not heard at all, but you are the music. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that goes even beyond. This goes into the, to the concept yeah. of ecstasy, which I think is a little different from improvisation versus, um, uh, versus organization. Uh, well. the, which is, um, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the, the ability to, to sort of, stop being yourself quite so much yeah. uh, for a while uh, to, to be for the individuality to be somewhat dissolved into uh, the music you're listening to. Yeah. There are only hints and guesses, hints followed by guesses and the rest is prayer, observance, discipline, thought and action. Yeah, it's all there. Action. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it really is. Discipline, thought, and action. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've uh, you know, and I you you once resisted <laughs> resisted my my intense preference at one extensely expressed preference at one point for praxis to uh, to actually go and do, and that was that was really my uh, my response to feeling like I was getting stuck in anal- analysis and criticism. 
too much thought. We've got to put it all together. It's yeah, to do with that, this middle ground, this pra- this this organization. Sorry, no. Uh, this um, was that when you tried to play, persuade me to play improvised music in a pub in Edinburgh. No. No. Okay. Right. No. 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 Say, no. No, I was that, was that was that was nothing about of a you know an objection to praxis. That was just because I didn't want to get stabbed. No, 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 no. This is this is a much more recent conversation that we've had here. I oh, think. see, yes, yeah, uh-huh. and uh, and uh, you objected on, on the grounds that this sounds too much like the uh, uh, the seventies style um, communist anarchists who wanted to just disrupt everything and. Uh, with a with a with an emphasis on on praxis as opposed to analysis or or, or theory. Um, hmm. Anyway, um, this uh, we're I want to tell a personal story. This may take us too far afield. Yes, <laughs> um, I want to tell uh, tell a personal story because um, please do our our mutual friend Robert uh-huh. was the trumpet player in our band. Yeah, next and. Uh, when I visited Robert in Rome in the mid eighties, uh-huh. late eighties, thinking yeah, about mid, it, mid eighties, yeah. I took with me, if I recall right, two LPs that I had bought for the occasion. These were gifts, and uh, one of them was uh, Winton Marsalis pretending to be a concert. Um, oh yeah, when when he did the Hummel, yeah, uh, yeah, he did a couple of couple of concertos, yeah. right? Con- trumpet concertos. Yeah, I, I saw that live in Edinburgh. Oh yeah, I think Did I you? might have too. Yeah, this is. I mean, it's great. <sighs> yeah. Um, so, <laughs> and then the other one was Power Spot, uh, which was the first album that John Hassel did for. Uh, ECM, so the first of the two. Uh-huh. And I think that I had been, my attention had been drawn to that by probably reading about it in Wire magazine. Uh-huh. And it was, we listened, Rob and I listened to it together. And I don't think we understood what was going on. And yeah. I ended up taking it home with me because I think uh-huh. Robert didn't uh-huh. like it enough. Or I, I don't, I mean, that's my guess now, look, thinking back on it. But, uh-huh. um, you know, we're going like, this is kind of weird. But I was attracted to it, even though I couldn't at that point pick out what was the trumpet mm. line. Because here he was using uh, the harmonizer effect, I think, mm. on quite a lot of the album. And then he has this, even when he's not using it at all, he has this technique of playing, which is well, not just the technique, but the... Uh, his style of playing is not to stand out front and blow his horn like no, it's the no, biggest no. horn in the room, is it? No. <laughs> you know, it's, he seldom quite steps out, steps forward like like that kind of horn player. Um, so it's it's very it's very sort of integrated with with the rest of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I go like, so where's the trumpet solos? <laughs> like I think we just didn't get it. Yeah. But that was my introduction to it. This, this is how I started. Right. That's how I started listening to John Hassel. So I thought it would be nice to drop in this message for, for Robert. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I would like to encourage all of our listeners to uh, 
to talk to us about their their experiences of John Hassel generally, this album, or indeed any album, um, or indeed their experiences with using sound for healing purposes. I think there's a lot of area there that we need to look at. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna like ask around and see if I know anybody who's who's up to this because uh, well sound, this, this is something that really interests me. Sound for uh, for meditation is is oh. is very commonly used. This is actually quite an interesting question that I should exp- I should inquire yeah. for you. I mean, before I heard John Hassel, I'd listened to you know the the well known for example Tangerine Dream records on on Virgin, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, I I love to put my headphones on and just uh, escape to other imaginary planets that way. That was yeah. that was something I did as a teenager, um, and I'm starting to wonder if this isn't something that you've pursued much. Um, yeah, I I have actually. I've uh, I've uh, I mean I can't get lucid dreaming right, but uh, <laughs> no, I mean with respect I, I with respect to tried. listen listening to I mean what kinds of music have uh, have have over the years, over the decades, over your whole life? What kinds of music have the effect of letting you? Uh, well, let's say at the end of the experience, you feel like you're returning, and wow, that was. That was something I don't want to forget about. That was important. Uh, the Busoni Piano Concerto. Okay. I can honestly say that's that's followed me through my life. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's that's a good one. Uh, oh. And uh, yes, actually, some one or two Nucleus tracks as well. Mm-hmm. So oh and uh, and um and yes um uh a love supreme okay yep yep i i have to say this is a big part of uh, you know big part of my experience with music period right yeah. this is kind of the this is one of the main things that i seek in music and has it's been like that well, since teenage yes. years, um, and this kind of music, which has a sort of a, a, a somewhat static quality to it, at the same time as a um, structures going on that are quite enthralling, uh, maybe mm. a little—I uh, don't want to use the word mesmerizing, but I just did, didn't I? Um, yeah. Um, but there's a there's kinds of repetition which are just a little bit off. Um, mm in their repetition that makes them interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that, these kinds of things going on. The, um, so, mm. so John Hassel's music fits very nicely into, mm. into that need for me. And I think it's also a, mm. uh, oh, I'm going to have some dog barking going on here. I think, you know, mm. I gave Lucy a shower today, a very thorough uh, th- shampooing. Because uh, she was kind of stinky. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, now she smells like shampoo. And I hope she's not going to bark. Hey, leave. Oh, no, she's going to bark. Here we go. She's barking at a bigger dog across in the park. 
Uh-huh. So they're communicating in their language. What are they saying? So, uh, but the it it I'm not sure that your your the things that have most most enthralled you. So you've got your your interest in romantic music and in bebop jazz, and both of those can certainly transport, but not in this sort of more meditative. Well, yes, mm. maybe sometimes, yeah. but you know well, what I certainly. mean in the sort of like quieting no, no, down. I've never way. had anything that had quite such a such an immediate physical response uh-huh. as uh, as as that that album that you sent me. That, yeah, uh, you know, you, you that understand was, that's that a live extraordinary. You understand that's a live performance. Wow, right? That's a, that's actually a similar kind of uh, touring band that he had uh, using the um, that that he had for the. Uh, for the for the gig at the Winter Garden, gosh, yeah, wow, that's and and you know again this trick with the live sampling and whatnot, it's uh-huh. it's really something. Uh, boy, if uh-huh. I could if I could be in a band, that would be it. Damn. <sighs> oh well. Where does this leave us? This album that we're supposed to be talking about, it's. Uh, it's very, very unlike anything that you would have heard well. if you don't know John Hassel. <laughs> okay, maybe. At the same time, it's very much a product of its time, and it's very approachable. I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not weird like like some of the weird stuff I listen to. It's just a little no. bit odd, or a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, unlike anything, I mean, there's there are some there are some decidedly more um, difficult listening John Hassel oh, yes, recordings yes, available. So, I mean, uh, actually, the uh, even earlier in this series, I found the uh, the Dream Theory in uh, in Malaysia is quite a tough listen. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, however, I I still find if you if you can give yourself the right context for listening and drop into it, uh, it's it's damned impressive. I can't. I, yeah. I keep trying to. I mean, there have been times where I put on some John Hassel. No, I don't want that just now. Yeah. Uh, but um, but you know, going back over it, getting ready for this, there's there's nothing <laughs> there that I'm gonna. Uh, yeah. Well, I think discount. this is uh, this is actually a, a very good entry point. For people to, sure. to get to know his music, I, I would like to, if if possible, just to mention uh, one or two others. Um, yep, I'd already mentioned. Well, I've already mentioned some, but um, one album, if you can get a hold of it, uh, it seems somehow I don't know what the hell happened. Maybe it was uh, the particular label he was involved in at the time. Um, uh-huh. Dressing for pleasure, uh, and the 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 band is called John Hassel and Blue Screen. Here, uh, it seems to be hard to get at the moment. I, I think you probably find used used CDs of it, but that's probably your best bet. Um, it's a very interesting record. So, I think it was the next major uh, studio album to follow from City, and uh-huh. it's it's also a very urban album. It's it's got the yeah. feel of L.A sexy consumerist subculture mm. of 
of of LA in the 90s. Um, you know, it's got the it's got a piece of music there called Personals, which is uh, includes samples of you know a telephone based personal ads uh, system where ah, you sort of like okay. you dial dial women seeking women, men seeking men, men seeking women, mm. women seeking men, kind of thing. And and this is set to the music and. But the and the and the whole album has this feeling of, you know, something somewhere between uh, a perversity that you might imagine is going on in another mm-hmm. part of the city, and the feeling you get from where you really are in in the city. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And again, not judgmental, just, just, yeah. just a, uh, uh, it's a, uh, that's, that, that's, uh, you know, it's, not, it's one, there's, you know, maybe half his albums are available in streaming, um, something like that. Yeah. And I think actually the, uh, his albums probably work very well on streaming because, uh, you know, you just want to let it go as one continuous line. Yes. I, and the uh, well, I can tell you the the sound. Uh, I've got I've got a lot of this stuff on on vinyl, um, and so a couple of these albums, um, like the uh, the Earthquake Island was the one that he did with all those so like um, jazz jazz and fusion musicians. Yeah, um, I don't think I, I I never listened to that before on my on my current stereo. Uh, you know, with which because it's got pretty good loudspeakers. I've got uh, you know bass management on it and and strong amplifier and and here it is in in digital. You know, uncompressed digital, and mm. wow, that sounds so good. Um, mm. And uh, so much better than listening to it from the vinyl. And it, I also had that effect from Akadabari Java, uh, Magical Realism. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm no, I'm getting that one wrong. I'm getting the title of that that album wrong. I'm going to have to look it up. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's uh, there's one that's actually worth um, worth spending some time with. Uh, it's not as easy listening as uh, uh, as this one or the mm-hmm. Surgeon of the Night Sky, um, but it, it's got it's got some really extraordinary. Um, studio composition going on uh much more advanced it's so it's 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 it was done in paris using uh an early version of the fairlight cmi uh-huh. uh, so it's heavy on the use of sampling uh but um not in, not in any it doesn't have that sound of of, of early digital it sounds great um hmm. So that's that's worth checking into. I don't want to have to go through an, an awful long list there. Mm. Okay. Well, we'll put all of these recommendations on the Substack page. Yeah, and I gave a little which... a little playlist for you, which we can just put that up in text yeah. because you yes. can't you can't get that on any of the platforms just as a playlist. It's just a sampler. It's not really so much a playlist, but it's a sampler. Mm. And uh, okay. with some of those, I wanted specifically, I chose specifically for you um, thinking, this is going to highlight the less uh-huh. effects-heavy uh, trumpet playing. Uh, uh-huh. So a few of those tracks were, uh, you know, I, I think I selected them for that reason. Yeah. 
Okay, well, so, so yeah, you should all go and uh, and listen to uh, this John Hassel album, or even if you don't want to go out and get the album, you should sit down and watch it on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. It's oh, probably a better way of getting into it, actually. If you're not used to, um, if you're not used to John Hassel, I think that's a good idea because watching any concert and just hear if so if you're hearing weird music and just understanding it it's enthralling it can be enthralling mm. i think yeah. it is um there's there's a um there's a concert from uh of his the band that ended up being called marifa street um from 2009 uh which mm-hmm. i put on the youtube as well uh which i've watched a couple of times and is stunningly good um, mm. that's, that's a very good quality audio recording as well as a nice video production. Uh, the same kind of pleasure again in being able to visually follow along what an improvising band is doing. Mm. You've finished yours and you're having a glass of wine, Uh, aren't you? uh, I know, I've got to get myself another glass of wine. Okay, right. Oh, 